Good afternoon. My name is Michael Montman. I'm a senior pre-medical student studying biochemistry and public health. I'm from Solon, Ohio, and I'm pleased to welcome you to the January series 2018. I would also like to extend a special welcome to four of our 52 remote webcast sites, Grand Haven, Michigan, Bellflower, California, Denver, Colorado, and Elmhurst, Illinois. And now, if you'll please pray with me. Creator God, the works of your hands proclaim your glory. Everything in this world, from the air that we breathe to the soil under our feet, is yours, for you made it. Forgive us when, out of selfish appetite, we take more than we need and destroy your creation. Work in our hearts today to change how we think about environmental stewardship. Remind us that you are God and we are not. Amen. And now Erica Boldenow, professor of biology, will introduce our guest. It is a great honor to be introducing Passion Murray today. Passion Murray is both an entrepreneur and an environmentalist. She is best known for her work in waste reduction, recycling, and reuse of materials, especially food waste for compost. She nurtured her love of land and soil here in Grand Rapids where she grew up and through the visit she made to her grandparents' farm in Mississippi. In 2010, Passion co-founded Detroit Dirt, a local composting and biomass collection company that uses a closed loop model process that benefits the community socially, economically, and environmentally. In 2016, she launched the Detroit Dirt Foundation, a nonprofit that combats environmental deterioration through learning, educating, leading, and serving the public. In 2014, Newsweek named her one of, the, one of its 13 women in business to bet on. I could go on, but it's clear through her numerous accomplishments that she loves both her community and the environment. And her work exemplifies the idea that the health of the community and the environment are integrally related to one another. Following today's presentation, Passion Murray will be available to greet the audience in the West Lobby here in the Covenant Fine Arts Center. Calvin College is grateful to the Grand Rapids Christian School Foundation for underwriting today's presentation. Before we welcome Passion Murray, we're going to watch a brief video of her in a commercial. Why do I work so hard? For what? For this? For dirt? Other countries, they work. They stroll to the market and buy locally grown food. Locally. Why aren't we like that? Well, more and more of us are like that because we're crazy entrepreneurs trying to make the world better. Some people might think we're nuts. Whatever. Me, I collect food scraps from restaurants, manure from zoos, manure. Do you know why? To keep this stuff out of landfills and use it to make good, rich dirt. That's why. Yeah, look, it's pretty simple. You work hard, you believe that anything is possible, and you try to make the world better. You try. As for helping the city grow good, green, healthy vegetables, that's the upside of giving a damn. Nespa. This is where it all began. Um, wow, that ad was in 2014, so time, time really does fly by. But before I, before I get started, uh, are any of my teachers in the audience? Please stand up. Please stand up. Please, please, please. Hey, how are you? <laughs> You guys have something to do with who I am, so I had to acknowledge you. You're the parents outside of the household. And my family is in the house. And I know some of my uh, fellow Grand Rapids Christian um, classmates are here, too. So 
Thank you guys for uh, coming out and, and supporting me today. So let's get started because I got a lot to talk about in a little bit of time and really I need about two or three hours with you, but I only get an hour, so. Um, so, okay, first let me just uh, tell you a little bit quickly about spiritually where it all began. So uh, growing up here in the city, my dad had uh, contracts with the city and the county, and so I grew up, you know, jumping in and out of the truck with him and going to the landfills. But of course, I had no idea uh, that I would be involved in, you know, the mission of what I'm involved with today. But that does have a lot to do with, you know, um, my first I would say, moments of understanding what waste or what so-called waste is going to the landfills. But then also it was important uh, as a family, we would visit Mississippi a couple times a year at least. And so it was just for me, you know, most kids love going to amusement parks and they love a lot of different things, but I was fascinated with uh, my, my grandfather and just watching him on all that land and uh, being in tune with the animals and understanding uh, how to run a farm. And that was the other fascinating um, dynamic in, in my journey. So if we speed up and um, after, after undergrad, after my undergraduate, I, I believe I came back from Texas Southern in 2003, 2004, 2003. And so uh, Jen Doherty and John Doherty, actually their dad, John Doherty, was over Associated Builders Contractors. So when I first came back to Grand Rapids, I was trying to figure out if I was going to work with my dad, start my own company, uh, what exactly was I going to do. And John invited me into these private meetings with general contractors and construction managers. And so as he was hosting these meetings, as you know, Associated Builders contractors were hosting these meetings, I grew up going to the landfill. So in those meetings, uh, there were the construction managers and general contractors were talking about you know, how they were going to build Grand Rapids more efficiently. And so when it came to the recycling and waste, the conversation around recycling and waste, they were talking about how to sort, separate, and then they were like basically putting a value on the waste stream. And so for me, that was kind of a pivotal moment because in, in one regard, I grew up, you know, going to the landfill and that didn't really make sense to me. And then if you speed up to the future, now there are conversations with people who could build the city more efficiently, talking about you know, how to get those resources back into the hands of um, those who could use those resources as well. So um, <clears throat> with that being said, I had an opportunity in, in 2004 to be a part of a lead project, which was very you know, enlightening for me because the equipment that I was used to seeing and those, the acts of actually going to the landfill, now it was about tracking the waste, putting a dollar value on it, and then getting it to companies and organizations that could reuse and repurpose it. So along the way, my journey took me from Grand Rapids to Detroit. Now, Grand Rapids was already, you know, on its way. I considered it a, a progressive city because in other cities, you know, sustainability was a key term, but there weren't a lot of people, you know, actually doing, you know, following these policies of zero waste and landfill free. So when I got to Detroit, the whole reason for me going there is I felt like there were enough people doing what was needed to be done here in this community. And I grew up going to Detroit. And so when you think about 
one city, you know, having this progressive path and then this other one where there was, we can talk about, you know, the bankruptcy, the, the vacant buildings, um, everything that was going on in that city, I figured that I could almost be a bridge, you know, take what I'd learned here and then actually share it with the community there. So I took on a few opportunities to consult, and what I learned through workforce development, as well as um, you know, the recycling efforts in Detroit, there was so much going on in the city that you know, sustainable, sustainability and recycling was just the last thing on their list as far as a priority. There was too many other things for them to, to be thinking about. And what happened was, <laughs> it was the most ironic thing. The automotive community, you know, after I lobbied a little bit in DC, I did some consulting work. The automotive community, when they were facing, you know, bankruptcy and then they actually went into, um, they became bankrupt, the conversation became a matter of who in the community. How could we reinvent ourselves? What would be the resurgence of Detroit? So there was a gentleman by the name of John Bradburn who was one of the key factors in my life. John is the global waste reduction engineer of General Motors, for General Motors. And so he and a bunch of others in the automotive community were having these supplier partnership meetings. In the supplier partnership meetings, everybody that was there was there because of the waste stream. So there were, there were people there who were recycling oil fil filters. There were folks who were growing soy. They were using that for the seats and in the dashboards. There were uh, folks who were hauling certain materials away. So all these suppliers were in this room. So it reminded me, it was a lot like those days when I was here with the construction companies, only the dynamic in this was, the shift was the automotive community. And so, what was fascinating for me was, I heard the conversation loud and clear. It was like, okay, this is an opportunity for us to build a more efficient car, but this is also an opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves as a city. So, simultaneously, there was all this conversation around urban farming. How do we get back, get the city to take this vacant land? Because there was tons of vacant land in the city. And then, you know, during the era when Henry Ford was alive, he had a lot of acres, a lot of farming going on in different places in Michigan. And I don't know how that got disconnected over the years. You know, we can think of a lot of different reasons why, but the point is, Farming, you know, that Detroit area, that southeast area of Michigan was once a hub for farming. So you had this conversation around urban farming, you had the automotive community, and here I was in the middle of it, uh, trying to figure out how do I fit in. And so the more I thought about it, it's like, well, what exactly does this mean to the community because there's all these disconnects. There's, there was like this fragmented conversation. People weren't really coming together to create the solutions in harmony. So I took it upon myself uh, during, I think it was 08, 09, the uh, National Wildlife Foundation or Federation um, gave me an opportunity to go out and, and speak to folks who were involved in sustainability. So that became the segue for me to go out in the community, build relationships. I was attending the supplier partnership meetings, but I noticed that with the urban farmers, not only was Detroit a brownfield, but also the urban farmers, they didn't really have you know, the resources that they needed, but a lot of them were on the ground and they were grassroots and they were making it work with what they had. So I met a gentleman by the name of Greg Willer, who had a, an urban farm in the city. And he was composting, and he was already talking to the Detroit Zoological Society about 
getting their herbivore manure. And I had talked to him about us coming together to create a company um, because he was already composting on his farm on a smaller scale. But what I began to see spiritually is there was an opportunity to create a model that was socially, economically, and environmentally impactful. So you think, I was thinking like, okay, how am I gonna get this done? Like, what is it gonna take? Who, who can I align with in the community? And so along the way, uh, General Motors, so it started in 2010, basically Detroit Dirt did. Greg and I came together to form this company. It started in 2010. We started at the Chevy Volt plant. So I collected data for about a year. I didn't get paid for it or anything. The automotive community began to allow me to create this platform to start talking about food waste, of course, because why would they be talking about food waste? The purpose of them coming together was to build efficient cars. But the attention, what I wanted them to pay attention to or to bring focus on all of the thousands of people that they have to feed in these manufacturing you know, facilities within the General Motors headquarters. So food waste became a topic of discussion within the automotive community because I kept pushing and pushing and pushing for that to be a priority. So if we could focus on steels, plastics, or whatever, then we should be talking about food waste as well. So the Detroit Zoological Society said to me, if you can find some land and get the proper permits, we will give you, you know, or pay you to take this herbivore manure. And then General Motors, once we ran that pilot in 2010 with them to divert as much food waste from that facility, the Chevy Volt plant, they said, okay, we'll open up the door or give you an opportunity to recycle the food waste at our headquarters. Now, at their headquarters downtown, there's probably 20 to 30,000 people that go in and out of that uh, facility. They, they have their own zip code. That's how large that, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so there's like 30 restaurants in there. Uh, you know, I've been to events, I've done audits for stadiums, you name it. And when you have that many people, food waste is something that's just not on everybody's mind. Most people just don't think about food waste, you know. But if you're behind the scenes and you're in the docking areas or you're watching the, the act of actually throwing and discarding all this food away, there's a couple of things that's going on. I noticed that our food systems are broken, so that's one element, and now you have organizations who are actually recovering food, but also there's just some that's not edible, which, you know, I can use to make compost, but within the model, I propose to the zoo and, and, and General Motors and Blue Cross Blue Shield, if we can pick up this food waste at least three times a week, and we get the Detroit Zoological Society to come in and, and drop off 20 to 30 yards of herbivore manure week on a weekly basis, we will begin to see an automatic audit and an impact on the community. And that's where it began in 2011. And I can tell you the most rewarding thing for me is uh, not only, well, those are a few things, talking to young people about this, this topic and this issue and how eager they are to get involved, but also we were able to see the impact, you know. And then the urban farming community, what I began to notice is they were already doing their, a lot of them are already composting or doing, growing food locally, creating a local economy. Uh, but the rewarding thing for me was food waste is a big problem in this country and for a city like Detroit that's used to building cars is now looking at, you know, a way to reinvent themselves. And so along the way, the Detroit Zoological Society, what you see in this picture right here is they invested in an anaerobic digester. And basically what, that, what they're doing is taking the manure, they're eliminating some of my steps, right? So we went from having this two and a half, three acre site where all this 
feedstock was going to, the, to this three-acre site that Detroit Dirt has currently. But now the zoo invested in an anaerobic digester where they're processing the material through a system. And I'm going to go into the economics and the industry of you know, this movement um, and the culture of it. But they invested in the system. And so now together, as a collaboration, all of us are leading by example, right? Because the zoo has invested in technology that will help expedite the process. They're harnessing energy, heating one of their buildings with it. General Motors now can brag to the media and the press about collecting food waste, which was my idea, but they can take the credit for it. <laughs> Uh, you know, the employment opportunities are there. So I have a relationship with the Goodwill Industries um, where they take formerly incarcerated folks and uh, we're, we want to give them a second opportunity right at life. So it's recycling lives. So you can see how this is an ongoing process. It's infinite. It's a spiritual, you know, movement here, right? Because we're collaborating for something that is bringing people together. And then you look at, you know, my mission, you know, I always set out to prove that landfills shouldn't exist. The compost was my cover, but my underlining agenda the whole time was to get people to see that there's technology out there that can replace landfills. I mean, I've been to other countries around the world, and they don't have landfills, so we have a lot of work to do in this country. And then um, the long term of decreasing the GHG emissions. So, I mean, composting is one solution, but when you're burying food waste in a landfill, which it's a $218 billion problem, we'll get into that in a second, but if we're burying food waste and then contributing to the issue when it comes to climate, so we have a broken food system but we're contributing to these gas, these gas emissions when we don't have to. Because we know that part of the landfill, if we can repurpose and reuse food waste, why, why are we continuing to send it to the landfill? That, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. And then um, I have an opportunity with other networks around the country to start looking at STEM projects. How are we going to bring this into the classrooms, right? Um, because there's a lot of opportunities around education and awareness for this, because you have the technology aspect of it, you have the agriculture, you can break this down into a biology class and talk about the microbes or the microorganisms living in, in the soil, because we all know that it takes about 500 years to develop one inch of soil. It takes 500 years to develop one inch of soil. So if we can play the video, and then I can really get into the good stuff. So why don't you guys play the video, the soil story? My name is Passion Murray, and I make compost in the city of Detroit. I want to share with you a story about soil, farming, and compost, and how it can be a solution for climate change. Climate change is a big problem. It's happening because there's too much carbon in our atmosphere, but carbon is not our enemy. It's the building block of life. Everything alive is made of it. It's us. The problem and the solution are a simple matter of balance. Let's step back and look at the five pools where carbon is stored on planet Earth. Starting about 500 million years ago, when plants came onto land, carbon began to cycle in an amazing balance, a balance that allowed for life as we know it to evolve. Then one life form, us, figured out how to extract carbon from the fossil pool. We've been burning it for energy, putting it into play, and disrupting that balance. How we manage land and do agriculture is moving even more carbon from the soil and biosphere into the atmosphere. Specifically, we've moved 880 gigatons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which is heating up the planet and destabilizing our climate. Now, the oceans have absorbed a lot of this excess carbon, 
which is resulting in warming temperatures, acidification, and accelerating a mass extinction of sea life. In order to stop global warming, of course we have to stop burning fossil carbon. The big question is, where do we put the excess carbon to get the cycle back in balance? Remember when I said that soil was a part of the solution? It literally is. Plants, with sunlight and water, perform photosynthesis. They pull carbon in from the air and turn it into carbohydrates, sugars. Then they pump some of those sugars down through their roots to feed microorganisms who use that carbon to build soil. There we go, carbon move. The plants pull it in and the soil stores it. Nature's living technology is amazing. Scientists have recently discovered that applying a thin layer of compost one time sets up an ongoing positive feedback loop that brings more and more carbon into the soil each year. In concert with our regenerative practices like not tilling the soil, planting trees and cover crops, and good grazing, we can build and retain gigatons of soil carbon. This is carbon farming. This is regenerative agriculture. More carbon in the ground is good for us. It makes healthy soil. Healthy soil makes for more nutritious food, and it holds way more water so crops are more resilient in the face of drought. That's good news for families, farmers like me, and everyone that eats. The way we grow our food, fuel, and even our clothes either puts carbon into the atmosphere or pulls it down into the ground. The regeneration of soil is the task of our generation. Our health, the health of the soil, and the health of the planet are one and the same. I'm going to dedicate that video to some of the politicians out here in the world who say that climate change is not real. <laughs> and they removed us from the Paris Climate Agreement, so you already know how I feel about that. But anyways, that's a whole other story. We're not going to talk about race and politics, because I'm not a political person. I have no political affiliations whatsoever. but we shouldn't have been removed from the Paris Climate Agreement. <laughs> because, you know, let's just be honest here, although I just said that I wasn't going to talk about this. It doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, how old you are, what culture, what religion. This is the one thing that can bring us together. And so I have a problem with anybody who's making decisions for us collectively when they're not in the best interest for the next generation. Because if we've lived fulfilled lives, then the next generation should have the right to live a fulfilled life. So that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about this epidemic. Um, and this is, this is where, you know, I'm, I'm, my heart, you know, my dedication, you know, I'm willing to die for the cause, you know. Um, the, it used to be the tree huggers, now it's like compost or die. That's our little inside joke <laughs> with all my friends who are in the movement. It's like, you know, compost or die. But um, in the United States, $218 billion of wasted food, right? 52 million tons of food waste. One in seven Americans are food insecure. So obviously, we have some issues here, right? We have a, um, a food system that has to be managed more properly. When you talk about the recovery aspect of this, we need to th be thinking about the logistics of the right vehicles and transportation, right? We don't want to contribute to the GHG emissions. We want energy-efficient vehicles to recover some of this food and get it to homeless shelters, get it to schools who have programs for children who can't afford healthy meals. The compost, composting, like what I do, is sixth or seventh on the list as far as priorities, right? When it gets to Detroit Dirt and other organizations around the country, yeah, it's important uh, to make compost, but first we need to be thinking about the issue around the food waste. So, and how do we recover the, the food waste? 
first and foremost. But then when you look at the fact that one in seven Americans are food insecure, and I'm being conservative on that number of the 21 to 25 percent of landfills being made up of food waste, I'm being conservative about that because really I've seen some landfills where there's much more, there's a lot more food waste in those landfills. So if we know that technology exists to, or the technology has solutions for that issue, this epidemic, why aren't we, you know, practicing that? Well, you know, there's a lot of arguments around you know, policy. And right now, I think what we're going to have to do in the country is the local and state governments are going to have to start pushing for more efforts in putting laws into place and policies in place that, you know, are going to become a solution to the problem. And so um, we can talk about all of the issues all day long, but, you know, 25%, 30% of a landfill being made up of food waste. There are so many other avenues that we can take if we just manage the food, the food uh, epidemic in a, in a different way. I mean, it's... So where, where we are today is I've had an opportunity to meet people from all over the world as far as the brand, right? So now there are different organizations that are recovering food. There are people who are starting companies every day. There are some companies that have been around, you know, before I was born that have been working on this issue. This issue. And then farmers, you know, around the world, soil has always been, you know, important to them. But I think along the way during the industrial movement, or industry, the industrial, the industrial, the industrialization of equipment and pesticides and, you know, chemicals are killing off insects. And remember when I talked about that one inch of soil, we need to be thinking about the microorganisms. That, micro, that microbial community is very important no matter where you are no matter what climate you're facing around the world. But anyways, the awareness in media um, for Detroit Dirt, that's been really the media normally. People don't associate the media with being their friends, but they're friendly to me right now. Um, they're helping me in a way where, you know, different networks from Vice and Viceland, Food Network, you know, I've been on different shows that are helping uh, to tell this story, which is great, but there are so many people out here who are making imp an impact around the world. It's not just me. I know tons of folks. And one person that comes to mind um, is Joe Handelsman, and she was the advisor uh, to President Obama uh, for science. And I met her the first time I went to the White House, she wasn't there. The second time, this woman appeared, and you know, I'm, I'm at this meeting, and so when I, before I went into the meeting, she's like, I have a jar of Detroit dirt. And I'm like, I said, who? When she, and, and so somebody, before she walked up, somebody was telling me a little bit about her, but then when she told me that she had a, a, a jar of Detroit dirt on her desk, it blew my mind. But keep in mind, this woman since the 80s has you know, a phenomenal background, right? So when it comes to that, the microorganisms and that microbial community, this is somebody who has given their life to understand, you know, making, helping people to understand the importance of science, soils and whatnot, healthy soils, and the essential, the key essential, you know, ingredients for soil. So that, it just blew my mind. And um, I think that people like her that, may not be a household name for some uh, people, she is like a rock star to me, you know what I mean? So that, that was just a huge compliment. There are other folks in California um, that are doing a phenomenal job that have helped me. I'm a part of those networks with some of the, the media families, the, the, uh, the Michael, the Jenna and Michael King Foundation. Um, you know, I can think of, um, of John Wick out in uh, the San Francisco area. 
a lot of these uh, leaders are pushing for, you know, regenerative agriculture and carbon farming, which are, are terms that you should get familiar with. But the operational status for me right now, outside of the network, the operational status is we want to build a facility in Detroit where we can demonstrate some of the things that we truly believe in when it comes to technology. And um, the key clients and customers are the same for me. You know, General Motors, if they're helping me recycle food waste, then they should be purchasing the compost back again, and that's what they do. You know, they have a, a garden. We helped, we came together with different folks within the community that help build gardens uh, in areas that were, no, were desolate, had vacant land, but we also, with Southwest Detroit Environmental Visions and uh, Ideal Group who sponsored uh, a garden with General Motors where there was like 300 garden beds that normally are used to ship parts. We use those as the garden beds. And so there's a lot of collaboration, but we're all working together. It's a, it's a, a circular economy when you really think about this in an, in an industry that is in its infancy stages. And the other thing that we're working on is, is fundraising. Um, we're going to really gear up this year. I'm going on a college tour this spring, but we really want to bring a lot of attention to this epidemic and, and how we can solve uh, these issues, but also how do we bring others to the forefront that are doing you know, a phenomenal job out here that others may not know. And then I'm most fascinated with K through 12, that group, uh, because a lot of young people, they, they want to know how they can get involved, and that's very important for me. That's what drives me. That's why I'm saying that globally, you know, our, our youth, they're the ones who are going to be leading these efforts 15 years, 10 years down the road. And some of them are doing it right now. But, um, you know, that's what drives me every day, to keep coming up with solutions and working and collaborating with others. And then the expansion project. So I want to talk a little bit about, we'll talk about the expansion project in a second because I have some renderings that I could share with you. Uh, but let's talk about the future of the low carbon economy, right? So in Grand Rapids or in Detroit, it doesn't matter what city we're in, right? The purpose is for us to look at the ecosystem as a whole, the economy, right? So if we have a circular economy where we're looking at the carbon footprint, right? So the logistics, the transportation, the manufacturing, what are the grocery stores doing? What are the restaurants doing? What are we doing in our households? If all of us could come together locally, that means that we could do it globally. Well, within the circular economy, I'll use Detroit Dirt as an example. If you're taking food waste, manure from the zoo, repurposing it and reusing it, distributing it back out into the community, but you're taking resources right there in the community, it doesn't make sense to send something to a landfill. Why, why would we? be sending yard waste or food waste or all of these precious resources, why would we be sending these things outside of the city when we could set up these corridors or communities to recycle and repurpose and reuse it? Well, now we know that um, there's an opportunity as far as a market with these byproducts, right? So if you're this, like the system that the zoo has, the AD system that they have, they're harnessing energy. So now you start seeing that, you know, with energy, you could heat a building, you can help create compost, we're doing it together. So if you can start seeing these benchmarks, right? If we could put goals in place and start getting more facilities built like this around the country, I believe we'll be able to see a shift. It's already happening. Um, because I go to conferences and there might be a hundred companies there that, you know, are on the ground, whether they're farmers or they've built these systems, it's happening. You know what I mean? And, it, and we need to see that happen more often because if you know that the market can be driven by these byproducts, then 
you know, these hedge fund guys, investors, whomever, we should start investing in that as a community. That's just my thoughts. But I, um, I think that, you know, before I move on, creating a market, that just kind of happened along the way. I think my heart was really focused on the landfill and helping Detroit. But the more and more I got out here and started networking with others, I felt like, okay, there is a market for this. At first it was within a vision of mine. I just thought about it here and there. But now the Detroit Zoological Society and I have decided to come together and we're actually gonna um, sell the product in a collaboration starting April 1st. So there's worm castings, there'll be compost, um, they wanted to call it zoo poo, so <laughs> there'll be zoo poo packaged. Uh, <laughs> that's a story in itself, but anyways, um, I think that that's a beautiful thing because now, you know, we can actually track data, create these audits, create products that are great for the environment, um, and nothing makes me more happier. It's, it's just very rewarding because this went... I went from thinking about these things and having a vision spiritually, being given a gift to see a vision long-term, but now to see these things kind of come to pass and manifest is just a, it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And then when it comes to the industry, I've talked about this before. This isn't some, I mean, recycling food waste or creating these models, it's not as hard as people think that it is or as difficult. Yeah, there are obstacles and opposition that came along the way with me. And I must admit, I did it illegally in the beginning. I did do it illegally. Uh, but I asked for forgiveness later. So <laughs> the city of Detroit didn't really have any policies in place at first. So I had to get creative. And yeah, I kind of, you know, did some things without asking permission. But, you know, but look at, look at me now. You know, I'm sitting here with you <laughs> talking about this process. So... Uh, but, you know, um, you know, when you look at, let's just get into the economics in the industry, but I'm, I'm saying there are byproducts, right, that can drive the market. So that's the economics of this, right? Then you look at the industry. So I'm a big fan of Tesla and the Volt and, you know, Karma, which is a, a real, a very, very a luxury uh, uh, car, energy efficient car, but... The brilliant minds that we have in this state. And then you look at the engineers, those who are building cars. If they can create a more efficient car, surely when it comes to in-vessel and anaerobic digesters, that technology, we have the people and the ingenuity and the talent to build this technology. So industry is there. And I'm only touching on a few things because I know I don't have a whole lot of time, but I'm just saying, we have the answers. I mean, the problem is here, but there are solutions within it. So we have an economic driver, but we also have industry that is not even in its infancy stages. But when you start talking about biochar and, you know, uh, compost and, you know, these are key essential things that we need. Think about this too for a moment. We are dealing with soil erosion and contamination issues all around the world. This is not, you know, just a, a, a Detroit problem with a brownfield. All the industrial cities have contaminated soils. I mean, let's just be honest and, and, and be frank about the situation. This is a global problem. So when people tell me that these things don't exist or, or you know, climate change isn't real, yeah, it is, because if carbon is going into the biosphere and impacting it, and all we have to do is manage it differently and redirect it and put it back into the ground because we're losing, you know, microorganisms and, and, and soil at a rapid rate. You saw the fires in California. You see these natural disasters that are happening. We're in a crisis, and some of us have to wake up. You know, this is, it's, it's, it's not a game, you know what I mean? Like, this is real. So if we have the solutions, we're going to have to come together. And once again, it doesn't matter who you are. It, it's all of our problem. This is our problem. This is our problem.
So, um, I had to think really hard about if I wanted to share these renderings, but, you know, I prayed about it, and I was just like, you know what? Because some people are like, oh, Pastor, we don't know if you should show those, or you should kind of keep that to yourself. And I was like, no, I'm going home to Grand Rapids, and so if I'm going to share my heart about this mission, then I'm going to talk about the future of this project. And so what I would like to do is basically create a site align it with education, align it with schools, so I can get some of my friends, some of the soil scientists that I know around the world and around the country, to come in and we can start doing research around soil contamination issues. There are people who are already doing it, but I feel like in a city, a city like Detroit, there's so much opportunity there to help rebuild the community. There are so many people doing awesome things there. I'm only one person with a team, a great team, which I want to give a shout out to Deanna Rivera and Jay Wilbur with the Good, Goodwill Greenworks. Uh, Deanna Rivera, is, she retired from the EPA in California. And we have others that are on the team, but the point is we want to create a site and, and, and Giffels Webster, God bless them too, the architects uh, in the city who have shown up to help me. You know, this is just a beautiful, it's a beautiful movement. You know, I, I met a lot of opposition. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a woman. I'm a black woman. It was very difficult to get some of the things done or to get people to pay attention to this because they were looking at the wrong thing. Okay, because my skin color shouldn't have anything to do with investments or. I, okay, I'm not going to go into that, but the, <laughs> I know you heard me say that before. But all I'm saying is, over the years I've been through it all. You know, health-wise, uh, I've drove myself into the ground, but I know that my purpose now, from a, you know, when we look at our divine path, right? At first, this was about business for me and, and making a difference and kind of going, I told you so for a moment for some people who said that this couldn't get done because I was so angry. And I had to learn that through prayer and faith that if I just kept, if I kept my focus on the problem and put goals in place, that this would happen. You know, because it's one thing for a magazine uh, to talk about you or, you know, I'll give you an example. When we were ranked number, I think it was one in the world for that Ford ad, a lot of people still hadn't seen it, but all the other ads had 100 million, 200 million uh, views for, for ads that were ranked globally. And so when the creator opened up an opportunity for me to have a global platform, then I had to give my life to this. And so what you're seeing on the screen right now is a thought that I had that's now, it's happening. People are coming together, they wanna to see this happen, but what I wanna see happen is I want young people to be able to go to a facility and see this technology, to feel it, to understand it. I want them to think about how they can change the world. That's the whole purpose of doing this at the end of the day, is getting these younger people to get involved in this movement. But what you see is, I'll see if we put another picture. Where basically what we want to do is drive the feedstock or the material to a certain location, send it through these end vessels, which in-vessel technology, a lot of different companies build them. They all look, you know, different. But we want to utilize in-vessel technology and mass-produce. The reason why I want to mass-produce the byproducts, because once again, we're talking about an issue. And we're, we're dealing with the food epidemic, but we're dealing with brownfields and soil contamination and erosion. So surely we should be working on facilities that can mass-produce and help replenish the soils, right? So if the, if the purpose is to replenish the soils, then you know that that has a direct impact on 
the ecosystem. So what I'm trying to get people to see in the community in Detroit is if we can come together and build a few of these facilities, then we're going to solve a few different issues simultaneously, all at the same time. We know that compost is one of the key essential. It's, it's, it's essential to soils, to healthy soils. We also know that you know, the market and industry is there. So we need to start creating examples and creating um, demonstration sites. And so that particular technology is what we're working on and what we're raising money for, is to build facilities that are going to focus in on mass producing uh, compost. There's an old building on the site uh, that we want to repurpose. And, but what you see is what I would like to do is create variations, right? So if gardeners and farmers need a certain uh, compost, if you know, other industries need compost, we want to create these different variations. We have an opportunity to, based on the nitrogen, you know, there's carbon and nitrogen and compost. And based on those ratios, I think that we can start creating. I like wine, so I look at it, it's like wine, right? You got your pinots and your cabs and, you know, uh, your Malbecs, right? So I look at compost the same way that I, you know, look at a variation of, of, of wine, you know? You want to create these different products for different purposes. And I believe that with this technology, with solar, we know that different people around the country have anaerobic systems, they have biodigesters, they have in-vessel technology. And, and the way of the future, you know, that I, tru I truly believe the way of the future is looking at how we can perfect these, these facilities. Somebody threw that in there. Um, those are just accomplishments or acknowledgement. Uh, but this gentleman here, he works for the Goodwill Greenworks. Um, and so he was, I believe he was in prison for 17 years or something like that. But anyways, as you can see, this one product, Arnisha, can you give me this, the product? <clears throat> <laughs> This is my Vanna White, and my, this is my little sister. I've adopted her, but she's my assistant. <laughs> so this, this product, this is, I have no life. I'm married to what I do. So just in case any of you guys wanted to know if I was single or married or anything. I'm not really on the market because I'm trying to build one. <laughs> I think that's where God wants me right now, that's for sure. Um, but this one product is bringing a community together. You know, people, when I think about the Goodwill growing up, you know, I saw them in one, in one way. I didn't really know a whole lot about the Goodwill, but when I found out that they were helping people and giving folks a second chance, that blew my mind. So, you know, kudos to Jay Wilbur and that crew at Goodwill because I'm so looking forward to creating jobs with them. They were able to, we were able to create jobs last year just on some trial runs of putting this out there in the market to see how it would do. And to see men like that and women who we can extend, you know, an opportunity to, it's just beautiful. Then you think about the Detroit Zoological Society. So this one product that's a driver for the market is bringing a community together, and I'm so, so very proud of that. So, you know, nothing makes me <laughs> more excited about the future around this, aside from talking to first and second graders. They really touch my soul. Really, the first to fifth grade group. They're my favorite people to talk to. No offense to some of you guys, but um, I love them because when I go into these classrooms, they give me life, you know what I'm saying? They're the reason why uh, humanity is going to thrive if we continue to put, give them the right tools and resources. I mean, when I go into classrooms, I talk to these young uh, kids and, 
you know, they're asking me all these questions, but when I talk to them about composting, I'll give you an example. This uh, first grader, this, I think I, it was a first grade class, and I went in there and I talked to them about composting. And so I took the food waste in there and the manure, and you know, they had a field day, and I brought worms in there and, and whatnot, and we talked about this. And this is where it began, where I said, okay, I gotta get involved with STEM. I have to start helping to you know, create education programs around this. And so when I went back to their classroom after I presented to them, I went back. Now, this is an inner city school. Some of the kids are impoverished, some of them aren't. I went back there, and when I went back to the school, they were talking to me about soil horizons. I didn't talk to them about soil horizons. They were talking to me about soil horizons. So that was the pivotal moment for me to let me know that, you know, that was an indicator that we need to be helping young people and getting them the resources that they need. So real quick, the Goodwill collaboration, it's already in place. Environmental education, I talked to you about that. This is a movement around climate change adaptation. Researching soils and restoration, food rescue, and we're already on our way working on these, so, these issues. So I, I want to encourage you to visit our website and start researching on your own. There are others who are out there who are doing a phenomenal job, but think about regenerative agriculture. Think about carbon farming. Think about all these wonderful, wonderful acts. You know, um, we're all believers, so we know that I feel like we're obligated to take care of the environment and our youth. Website, DetroitDirt.org. And so now I know that I went over uh, a few minutes. I'm sorry, I apologize, but okay. Thank you. <laughs> You can have that. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I liked your wine analogy and wondered if you could recommend a nice after-dinner compost. I'm in, town, I'm in town for another night, so we can go yeah. have wine, okay? <laughs> uh, I also have, we have an engineering student wondering if, you, uh, if Detroit Dirt would hire an engineering student for the summer. Um, you haven't, yeah. Where, Johnny, where are you? Um, <laughs> Is it you? No, it's not oh. me. I'm an English major. And so my English major question, and you have to answer this fast and not in much detail, but um, you talked about anaerobic um, compost. Is it, so that means without air. That's the part the English major understands. Is it faster than t traditional compost, or does it just take up less space, or what's the advantage? Well, uh, the technology um, expedites the process altogether. So me manually doing it like I used to, I mean, I used to go and pick up the food waste myself yeah. for a few, I, when I said I drove myself in the ground, literally I did. But when you create static piles and windrows, the windrows, usually windrows, you know, have worms in them. So, but I put worms in the static piles. That takes about 10 months to a year. Uh, but when you have technology like the zoo, we can produce it within like a 30-day, 30, 40-day 30, oh, okay. time frame. So it's very quick. Compost. And those end vessels, you know, cook it in like seven to 10 days, and then you have to let it sit and ferment for about 30 days. Several students are asking how a college student with um, maybe limited opportunity for, say, composting in the dorms, um, which has had very mixed results, um, or, or students who will be living just temporarily in their communities, uh, how do they make a difference? How do they best make a difference? Well, um, for the country, I think you should a person or whomever or students should know about the policy of the school. If the school has a zero waste or zero waste is a, a mindset, right? Landfill free. That's more of a realistic factual thing for me is mm -hmm. landfill free. What students can do is find out or help to create. So if they're in school for policy, they should be trying to figure out how to create a policy for the school. Mm -hmm. If those who want to compost, uh, you have to have a volunteer group that are going to be responsible enough to make sure that you're doing the right thing in composting. But I think it takes a community effort, just like on a college campus. You need 
different people to play different roles to make that happen, but it's happening. Uh, and I'm gonna be visiting a lot of schools that have been doing a phenomenal job at doing it. So making a difference, yeah, it starts with you, but if you take the time to commit to and being dedicated to that, that space of where you're in and find others to complement that, I think that anybody can do this. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time yeah. and your dirt. Thank and, you, everybody. Yeah. Passion will be out front, uh, so you can greet her and, and talk with her and ask your many more questions. Passion. Have a great day. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs>